Wow, thank you, Eric, for that beautiful song reminding us to be that choice for love. And that is, of course, what we are doing through our fall program as we consider Valerie Carr's book, See No Stranger, a memoir and manifesto of revolutionary love. Yesterday, I was watching a YouTube video with Valerie and Parker Palmer, who is a Quaker. And uh, they were sh- Valerie was sharing um, why this is so important to her. And I just found it to be so inspirational, I wanted to share it with you. Because Valerie has this vision. And this vision is to make love a public ethic over the next 25 years. So this isn't a short term. This is going to happen this year. This is a long-term vision that we are holding, that over the next 25 years, we, as we the people, if you will, learn to be that place and that space of love for each and every one. And Parker said in that same video that we all are asked to take some risk on behalf of the common good. Take some risk on behalf of the common good. So we're taking some risks here at Unity Spiritual Center to talk about these ideas in See No Stranger to invite us all into this place of revolutionary love so that we together can see this ethic coming out in our public discourse and in our relationships with one another as we move forward from this time birthing a world that works for everyone. This is a vision that I can be inspired about, and I'm trusting it is a vision that you can be inspired about. So Valerie tells us revolutionary love can only take place within community, within our relationships with one another, and that there are three ways that we must practice revolutionary love. Over the last two weeks, we've looked at one of those ways, and that is loving others. And we love others when we make the choice to see no stranger. We love others when we open our eyes and our hearts to seeing with wonder, to wondering what the life of that other is about, what moves them, what saddens them, what inspires them, what uh, fears arise in them, what hope is there for them, to be in that place of, of wondering about them so that we can see them as a part of us that we simply do not know yet. That is the revolutionary practice for loving others. But Valerie says we cannot get stuck with only loving others because that will be ineffective. It's ineffective when we only pour our love out to others and forget about loving ourselves. We will quickly run out of energy to do the work that needs to be done. It's ineffective if we only love others without also drawing into that our opponents, those we disagree with. And so today we're moving from the practice of loving others, one leg of our three-legged stool, to the practice of loving our opponents. Those ones, those experiences in our lives that we are in disagreement with. Our opponents can be somebody, but our opponents might also be an idea. It might be an idea that we ourselves hold. It might be an idea held by one of those others, but it is something that creates in us a disagreement. And Valerie reminds us that we must tend to the wound that lies there under that disagreement, and that that's what revolutionary love looks like when we love our opponents. 
And so the first part of this revolutionary love, the, the challenging part, I think, is the rage that we will feel when there is an opponent present. Because, you see, most of the time, many of us have been taught that it is not good to rage, that anger isn't healthy, that we should push that down or hide it or eliminate it somehow, that we should not act on our anger. Uh, I know growing up as a girl, you know, a good girl didn't show those feelings of anger. And I'm sure good boys weren't allowed to either. So, what do we do? What do we do when we have an opponent, somebody that we are in disagreement with, that we are meeting here in this moment, and we feel this anger rising up within us? Science studies have shown that to deny that anger, to stuff that anger, is not healthy for us. When we stuff that anger, when we keep it down, when we pretend it is not present, then what it does is it begins to impact our body and our health. Studies show that those people who do not acknowledge their anger it have increased um, uh, heart disease, increased high blood pressure. So what do we do with our anger? How do we learn to deal with that rage that we feel within in a divine way? Something that Valerie calls divine rage. Now, that might seem odd to you, an idea of divine rage. We see God as good. We see God as love. And in unity, it can be easy to bypass those feelings of anger and rage and move right to the loving. Wait, we must love one another. But what Valerie tells us is that to truly be in a place of revolutionary love, transformative love, we must experience that rage that arises within us in a safe container. The idea of divine rage isn't really a new one. If you look to the spiritual teachers, they talk about this divine rage. Probably the one that we in Christianity recognize the best is when Jesus went to the temple and overturned the money changers' tables in his anger at the oppression that was being done at that time to those who were poor, that, that perhaps didn't have the money to come and, and to purchase the um, sacrifices that were there to, to change their money into the correct form. And so Jesus, in his anger, in that divine rage, went and turned over those tables. But Jesus isn't the only one. There's also one that very much moved Valerie when she went to India and walked in India over a period of months and became aware of the Hindu goddess Kali. Kali was actually born out of the anger of Durga, the goddess Durga. And that anger came out, it said, as this darkness, as this blackness. And so Kali is oftentimes portrayed as dark. She's known as, as the goddess of destruction, as the goddess of death. But quite interestingly, Kali is also known as the goddess of the mother. Because you see, within the destruction, within the death, there is also the opportunity for new life. And so we can we take this anger that we feel, this rage that we feel, and extend it out not from this place of we want to take revenge, not from a place of vengeance, not from that place of I'll get you back, 
But from this place as Jesus and Kali, from this place of destroying what is so that something greater can be born. Can we use our anger to push through those systems and structures and ideas and beliefs that we hold so that a new idea, a new world can be born? But in order to do that, we must learn to face that anger that we feel within. Sometimes we feel anger not because there is some opponent out there in the world somewhere, but because there is an opponent very close to us within our own families. Valerie, for example, shares that within her own family, she experienced um, a a moment where she was uh, sexually violated. And as a good girl, she felt guilty about that. And she stuffed that incident away and did not share that with anybody. For years, that anger simmered within her. Until she finally could not deny that anger that was there. And she shared it with her family and those in her family that were still in this place of, but we must keep it a secret. We must not call the police about this. We must be silent about this. We have to hold this close, not allowing this anger to be moved from us. And I wonder how many of us grew up in families just like that, where there were things that happened to us and through us, and we were told to keep it quiet. Don't let anyone know. And so within each and every one of us, there are buttons that can be pushed that call forth that anger, that anger that we might have pushed down and repressed and denied. That Valerie says we must bring out into the open in a safe container. And so Valerie, in dealing with this rage and this anger that was inside of her, did not go to this one who had violated her and raged against that one. She shared what had happened with her family for the first time, truthfully, honestly. And then she's talked with therapists to move through those emotions. And then while she was in India, she learned this dance that brought her back into her body. And every day she would do this dance to release that energy of that anger until she could bring herself to a place of understanding that this one who had violated her came from a hurt place within himself. We've all heard that phrase, hurt people hurt people. But when we are caught up in the anger, when we are caught up in the rage, when we are caught up in the justification for what we are feeling rather than opening our hearts to understanding another and where they are coming from in their violation or their disagreement with us, we miss an opportunity to see them from this place of humanity, from this place of who they are. This beautiful divine spirit showing up uniquely and individually as this divine one. The reason Valerie says that this is community work is because until you have taken the time to truly process in a safe and sacred way that rage that you feel within you, you may not be able to do the next step, which is deep listening. And so if you find yourself in this place of 
still needing to deal with these feelings, do your work and allow others then to step into this place of the deep listening piece. But if you're able to do the deep listening piece, if that is not your, um, your rage, your anger about it has been, has been moved to the point of not wanting to seek revenge, not wanting to, to um, blame others, but wanting to move to a new place together, then the next step is a place of deep listening. How can we listen deeply to one another? I looked up some studies this week of hate crimes in the United States. Hate crimes in the United States have been on the increase since 2001. They have kind of gone up and down since 2001. But very early on, after 9-11, the hate crimes began against Muslims and Sikhs in the United States. And I shared some of those stories with you last week. And then at 2008, the hate crimes rose again. And then for a period of time, the hate crimes were lowering only in 2016 to rise again. And so what, what qualifies as a hate crime? According to the FBI, a hate crime is a crime against someone else based on their race or their ethnicity, against their religion, against their sexual orientation, against their disability, against their gender. Hate crimes have been on the rise. And it was that, that rise of hate crime that I think back in 2016 uh, moved me here in this community to try my best to begin a discussion on the racial tensions that were occurring at that time. And we gathered together in community and we had a group of probably 20 people that day come and just talk about these things. And creating the space for that conversation to happen. Conversation that requires deep listening and not defense. Because you see, this is typically what we do when we are listening to another that we are not agreeing with. We're listening to their, their words so that we can form our defense in mind so that when it's our turn, we can defend what it is that we believe. And so, during those racial discussions that we tried to have here, I'm afraid not too successfully initially, there was a, a black woman who joined us in that conversation, a single mother with two young children, who in one of those conversations spoke to us about what her experience was as a black single mother. And I can recall in those conversations that many of us there went to a place of defensiveness. That when we responded to what was being said, we defended where we were coming from. And that's why the conversation never went any deeper. It wasn't a transformative conversation. It was a surface conversation. And I'm telling you that at this time, during this time of increased hate crimes against our family, that, that may be different than us. It requires deep listening, not from a place of defensiveness, but from a place of help me to understand what your experience is like. We can each do this if we learn to be still and listen. 
Not because we want to change anyone's mind. Not because we may agree or disagree with what's being said. But to create a common place of understanding. So that we can understand where each one is coming from. And then from that understanding, we can begin to reimagine a world. A world that works for everyone. A world that works for those who think and um, act like us and a world that works for those who don't. A world that works for those that we easily see as our brothers and sisters and a world that works for those that we see as opponents. Revolutionary love invites us to keep our hearts open rather than closed so that we can love rather than hate. And as I said earlier, you don't need to look way outside of yourself for those opponents. We can find them right within our families, right within our friends, right within our coworkers. So please hear me. You don't need to go looking for these opponents. They're likely in your lives already. We live in a highly divisive political time. When we have opponents on the other side of the political spectrum that we shut our minds and our hearts and our ears to. And, and by doing that, everything continues to be more and more and more polarized, more divided, rather than less so. If we are going to heal this divide, if we are going to see come into expression what Valerie holds as a vision, a public where love is our ethic, then we are invited to move beyond the ideas that we hold of one another and to listen deeply to one another. So there may be things that are happening on the social scale that causes you to feel anger, causes you to feel rage. Feel those feelings. They're arising within you because you're seeing something that causes that anger to arise in you. So feel those feelings. Process them in a safe way, not by attacking someone, not by violence that we've also seen over the summer months, but process those things in a healthy way. And then when you have processed it and you're ready to sit with that opponent and truly listen to them, what do they have to say? I listened to a a video this week. And the video this week, it it just reminded me of how there are such um, polarized worldviews that we're looking at our world with. But I listen for understanding. Let me me hear what, what this one is saying. The fear, the fear of how our whole society is changing. For, for some people, the things that I celebrate, the things like equality, equality for my LGBTQ family that can now marry, that can now celebrate themselves, that no longer have to be hidden, I celebrate that. And yet, as I listen for understanding, there are those who don't, who think their way of life is, is being pushed upon, and it's going to disappear. The, the 
family who, who, who believe that we are all here to be individuals and to pick ourselves up by the bootstraps and that life is here to be claimed by anyone. We all have opportunity here, so claim your opportunity. And seeing the worldview of the other side as being one that takes that away, that makes it about dependence, right? And so there's this fear, and I'm recognizing it on both sides of the political spectrum. Both sides are saying, if the other one wins, the way of life that I celebrate is going to disappear. Our country is in, you know, going to be in shambles. And it's so fascinating to me to just take a step back from my own beliefs, from my own way of understanding and just see the dichotomy of that, right? Here we are both believing in our way that our country and our way of life is going to be destroyed if our way is not the way that wins. Well, I believe that we as a country, we as a community, we the people are so much bigger than that. That we can listen to one another. And that in the listening to one another, we can find that place of commonality. That place that recognizes our humanity and our goodness and our ability to move through these things together when we stay open to listening to other sides, hearing clearly. Because as we do that, next week we're going to talk about reimagining, reimagining together where we agree and where we can see hope and where we can see something different arising. But as long as we keep our opponents at arm's length, as long as we see our opponents as others and keep our hearts and our minds closed to them, we will not be participating in revolutionary love. The love that will help us to evolve this forward. This country of ours has had many moments just like this, where we have had such polarized views and held such polarized views, and somehow, some way, each and every time, we have found our way forward together. And this time is no different. This time calls you and I to listen to those who think differently than us, not to convince them with our defenses, but to just truly listen and hear what they have to say for understanding. Understanding is our power that we are focused on today. Understanding is one of our 12 powers that Unity teaches is born within each and every person in this world. And so we all have the ability to engage in this power of understanding. The color for understanding is gold. It's the gold standard, if you will. Because this is where we must begin. The power of will arises out of understanding. The power of will is our ability to choose. That color is silver. Because understanding must come first. If we don't center first in understanding with our thoughts and our words and our actions, then where we will come from in our rage is that place of getting even, in that place of revenge, in that place of bitterness and judgment. But if instead we can pause, breathe, listen for understanding, now we can make a choice 
that recognizes the humanity of another, sees them from where they are coming from, perhaps as that hurt person hurting people, and, and make a choice to think and say and, and act in a way that allows our heart to remain open and returns us back to wonder. Remember wonder? The idea of seeing no stranger? We are stuck in our anger and in our rage. We cannot see with eyes of wonder, with a heart wide open. And it's always wonder that returns us back to revolutionary love. And so I'm asking you and I to be willing this week to face our feelings, not stuff them down, to process them in healthy ways, whatever that looks like for you, and then to make the choice this week to deeply listen to another. Which brings me to my practice. So, First of all, just to remind everybody, we have outside of Unity Hall some fabulous bookmarks that Sandra Legal has made us. Thank you, Sandra. There are still some left. If you're in the area, just stop by. They're outside of Unity Hall. And on that are our intention cards. And I'm inviting us each week to write down our intentions. And so there's a a photo going to go up. I said last week, thank you, Brian. Brian Lowry was the only one who sent me in an intention. And I shared with you, if we were meeting here in Unity Hall, we would be adding those intentions to a web. And each week, those intentions would grow. And I invited you all to send me pictures of those intentions last Sunday. And thank you, because this week we got five. We went from one to five. And so you can see in the image there on the screen those Six intentions that are growing, right? People saying, yes, I am committed to living these ideas of seeing no stranger and keeping my heart open and seeing with wonder. And today, I'm inviting us to see with understanding, to write your intention down of how you will see with understanding this week. And so our spiritual practice for this week is to practice that deep listening. If possible, listen deeply to those who you may be considering opponents or those you typically disagree with. I'm telling you, I don't know about you, but I don't have to look far for that. (laughs) So, you know, whoever that is in your life. This could be someone in your family, a neighbor, a friend on social media. Listen deeply for understanding, not to control the conversation or change someone's mind, but just listen as a way to inform your actions and be open to the possibility of cultivating additional and sometimes unlikely allies. This is the way that we will move forward, that we will evolve our world, that we will create a world that works for all. Charles Fillmore tells us in The Twelve Powers, man receives first an intellectual understanding of truth, which he transmits to his heart, where love is awakened. The Lord reveals to him that the faculty of love is the greatest of all powers of man, and that head knowledge must decrease as heart not understanding increases. Listen, we all may get intellectually that we are one, that God is the only power and presence in our lives, that we each have that spirit of divine within. 
But this is a time of revolutionary love. It's a time to move it from our head, our intellectual understanding, to our heart understanding. And you and I have the ability to do that. I'm going to end with a sacred scripture once more from the Sikh tradition from the Sikh Guru Granth Sahib, page 25. When one's actions are right, the understanding is perfect. Without good deeds, it becomes more and more deficient. Praise Nanak. What is the nature of the spiritual people? They are self-realized. They understand God. Let us awaken to our own self-realization and to that understanding of the divine and allow that to be what moves us this week as we practice deep listening in loving our opponents. Thank you, and God bless.